I'm with Mohamed Diab, who is one of the directors on the first season, and I hope not the last season of Moon Knight. Mohamed, congratulations on this show. It is, uh, it's breathtaking, especially that first episode, which is so freaking thrilling. Talk to me about coming to the MCU and, and working on Moon Knight. I'm really glad that you like episode one, but I, I, I want to tell the audience they're going to even like, uh, the shows still have great episodes. Um, mm -hmm. uh, episode one definitely is my favorite. I directed it. It's um, it's like my it sets opening the tone. Tour. It sets the tone for sure. It's something that we're never gonna forget. Um, coming to that world is just like I make, but I'm Egyptian director who made mm -hmm. mo small movies that go to um, big festivals like Cannes or Venice. But um, working with on this scale on something that I love, like comic book movies. Uh, especially uh, joining the MCU is just like a kid in walking into the chocolate factory. It's it's something <laughs> crazy. Uh, and to prove myself that I'm just not that this artistic guy, someone who really understands how Hollywood work and really have a feel of that. I think part of my appeal was I can bring something different. So I really I'm very happy with the um, uh, reactions that are calling the show. Uh, different and has a different so and a lot of people are coding have uh, say this quote it's something like the mcu never had absolutely 100 talk to me about filming oscar isaac as he's shifting between persona it was that uh something that you had to kind of work out in rehearsal or were you sort of uh, coming up with ideas when you were rolling on set because it seems very tricky he's having conversations with himself in reflections and he's transforming into these different people in real time. That must have been very difficult to know how to frame. That was one of the big uh, Oscar's biggest fears at the beginning. How, or, and I, a lot of things come uh, uh, from fear. A lot of good things. So we were. Yeah, he yeah. wanted to be two different people, and one of the things that he he himself uh, pitched was the idea of having him have two different accents. But I think these are the the, the, the shallow or the superficial or the outer uh, uh, stuff. Uh, but mm. Oscar himself, at the end, at his score, the moment he is Mark and the moment he's Steven, the demeanor changes. I feel like yeah. he's, he's a different person. At the beginning of shooting, the first couple of days, Oscar didn't want to do uh, uh, Mark and Steven in the same day. And then we have a couple of moments in the show and everyone was just like, wow, when we, we were playing, as you described, him talking and you see him in the mirror, the camera was just like panning right and left. And through this one second turn, he was a different person. I, I was clapping just the moment he was finishing it. And at the end, he just like, he can inhabit the two characters just like that. And the two of them have different voices, ironically, that are different than Oscar's voice himself. Yeah, amazing. What's gonna be your favorite memory about working on Moon Knight? I would say everything. I, I don't want to be generic, but uh, everything. I, I, I myself, my favorite moment in making any film is capturing magic. Mm. Every time you have something good, I, I'm like a kid because I, everything has to align. The, 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 the writing has to be good. The angles have to be expressive. The actor has to be, uh, uh, he just brought magic to the to, to, to the table. So I, when the stars align, every time you get a good shot, shot, not another scene, the stars have to align. So every moment you capture magic in a bottle, I'm just so excited. Awesome. Well, you certainly did that. Mohammed, great to meet you and congratulations on this series. It's wonderful. I'm really happy you enjoyed it and I hope everyone does. And remember, 
you're gonna like this show better the second time around because it has so many uh, uh, things to unt untangle. I also had a chance to speak with the other directors, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, about their work on Moon Knight. How you doing, guys? Hey, hey, what's going on, man? Nice to meet you both. Man, um, you've got a background. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm a fan. I'm not just a critic and a viewer. I'm a fan of all this stuff. You guys really knocked it out of the park with Moon Knight. It's a beautiful show. Tell me about coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How did that all come together for you guys? We've been trying for over a decade to get into the Marvel Universe, and it just so happened that this thing came along that was really a perfect marriage for us. Mm -hmm. uh, something a, a little left of center about an outsider, about a character who's defined by being bold, and a character who's doing the most extraordinary action thing in one moment, making you laugh the next and breaking your heart the next. We felt like everything in our careers doing independent film had led up to this project. Actually, all, all five of our previous independent films uh, share a universe with each other, you know? Oh, wild. Um, and, uh, and so weirdly, we've got like this micro-budget MCU going on. So it was actually like pretty easy to kind of step on in. Although what's funny is those films interlock with each other, but Moon Knight's completely its own thing. That's so. right, yeah. Well, I'm wondering how you divvy up the responsibilities and uh, kind of shepherd the shows so that they each have their own distinctive feel and the episodes each have their own dis distinctive feel and vibe. Is that all through pre-production or is a lot of stuff learned on the day when you're actually out in, out in the field? We got to do something really special on this show and it was that early on, once or twice a week, uh, myself and Aaron, Mohammed, Ethan, May, Oscar, uh, uh, Grant Curtis, the EP on the show, mm -hmm. um, but we would all get together and talk about um, what personal things from our own lives we want to resonate through this story and, and just anything was on the table, just talk about anything you want. And, and through those conversations that were more than just personal things, there were also like uh, things that would work better dramatically and finding little jokes here and there. That what happened in that room was that we all really meshed into essentially one voice and and it's been really lovely to hear that people feel that when they watch the show as a whole. Did you guys shoot the entire season, you know, episode to episode chronologically, or did you use shoot bits and pieces? Because I imagine kind of the scattered focus of uh, Spectre and Stephen Grant creates a whole bunch of new challenges because we're bouncing back and forth from in his reality in so many different ways. How, how did you guys plan and schedule all of the uh, the, the shoots for the individual episodes? Well, we wish we could say that the schedule was defined by the order of the episodes, but honestly, the it, the wildest yeah. things affect the schedule. Things things like, do you have enough space to build that set? Things like that. Right. And yeah. so um, the schedule, we bounced episodes all over the place and often leap, leapfrogged with the other director, Muhammad, um, and, and covered for each other and all of that. And, uh, but really what's, so the challenge that you could, that presents very obvious challenges, but mm -hmm. First, it was, our, it was our job to do so, but also um, Oscar had a laser focus where even on day 70, nobody's blinking. You know exactly where the character's at. And I think wow. that that speaks really to what Justin was just talking about, these, these kind of war room-esque um, 
get-togethers where we where we figure out exactly where everyone's supposed to be emotionally, and so that when you arrive to set, you can remember that. And uh, and it didn't really matter that the previous day you'd shot something that takes place four hours of content earlier. Well, I have been having an incredible time watching this show. I can't wait to wrap it up. I'm I'm uh, at episode four, so it's like a massive cliff cliffhanger. I don't That's know a sad place what to is... leave. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And now I've got to wait weeks until I see the last two. But can, thank you guys and congratulations on the show. It's wonderful. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And I'll give you my address if you can ship me everything in the background of your of your Done. Zoom. Thank you. Deal. All right. Take it easy, you guys. Take care. I'm with Grant Curtis, executive producer on Moon Knight. Congratulations, sir. How do you feel now that the show is out there and the world is watching? Oh, I'm stoked. I think we're bringing a project and a narrative to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and to Disney Plus that is a little bit offbeat and not the usual. And I think it's going to be embraced. I think people are going to love the globetrotting adventure we send them on. Oh, it's really fun, man. I've been loving it. I can't believe you've left me on a cliffhanger. There's two episodes I haven't seen yet, and I can't wait to see the conclusion. Uh, but talk to me about Moon Knight. What brought you and the MCU creative team to this character? Why is he uh, uh, you know, a good fit in the MCU, even though he kind of stands apart from it as well? Yeah, you know, I think when you look at Moon Knight, um, you know, he first appeared on the pages of Werewolf by Night, 1975, got his own comic book in 1980. And you look at a narrative that's been able to sustain itself for that long. You know, when you start to look at the stories in the Marvel Universe that have not been told in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think he was a natural, um, uh, I think he was a natural addition to that universe. And I think he makes an incredible addition to it that always keeps you guessing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Moon Knight is poised to go anywhere. That's awesome. Oscar Isaac obviously is instrumental in the success of this property. Uh, talk about casting him and what he brings to the table as the uh, as our hero. You know, when we were looking at Mark Spector and Stephen Grant and Moon Knight, we knew we needed an actor that could do everything and, yep. and was comfortable doing everything. And I think when you look at Oscar's body of work, you just see this chameleon that can go in and out of anything with a comfort level that is truly mesmerizing. And I think that's why you really get hooked on his movies. And I think that's why he was the amazing choice for, for Moon Knight, because he always keeps you guessing as an actor and therefore on screen as Mark Spector, as Stephen Grant, as Moon Knight, uh, he always keeps you guessing as well. I've seen it and he keeps me guessing. <laughs> Did he take any convincing to, to come on board? He'd already had a huge run on a huge Star Wars, you know, franchise. Was he ready to move back into another huge franchise and do a big character like this? You know, you would have to ask Oscar if it took him any convincing, but I will tell you this. I do think when actors come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they look at how stories are told, told here, and they mm -hmm. all start in a character study. And that's really what every Marvel movie is. It's a character study. The spectacle is amazing. The adventure is amazing. Going to space is amazing. But really, we get to know those characters and what makes them tick. And I think that's why quality actors keep coming back and, and, and why they keep enjoy working in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These are character studies, and it really gives them an opportunity to shine. There is a, uh, a huge commitment to looking at mental illness and uh, dissociative uh, disorder in this episode. Talk to me about doing that with a light touch and uh, with empathy. Yeah, well, I mean, that charge was led by multiple people, but Jeremy Slater, mm. our head writer, um, really embraced that aspect from day one. And yes, Mark mm. Spector does have a fictionalized version of dissociative identity disorder. Um, we work with consultants to be reverential. Um, we do have a supernatural fictional story. Um, so it's a little bit of a blend of, of all those aspects, but always telling it with respect that it deserves. 
was always um, our North Star from day one. And, and again, that was really a testament to Jeremy Slater leading that charge. You've had an amazing career working on uh, huge cinematic properties like like the Spider-Man uh, franchise. Is there a separation when you move to a Disney Plus show like Moon Knight, or is it does it feel all part of the same universe? You know, you kind of get excited because the sandbox just gets a lot bigger. You know, um, <laughs> you know when you look at Moon Knight, and as we talked earlier, man, since 1975, stories have been turning out about this character that people keep reading, uh, myself included. I keep turning the page, not knowing what's going to happen. And sure. when you look at the wealth and breadth of that many years of storytelling, you realize, yes, th there probably was a Moon Knight cinematic version out there for two or two and a half hours. But the fact that you get a bigger canvas and you get Disney Plus, Man, what a luxury to have that much storytelling um, available to you to launch this amazing character. Well, I've been having a blast. Thank you so much, Grant, and uh, continued success with Marvel and, and wherever your path leads. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And finally, here's my review of the first four episodes of Moon Knight. Okay, I've got a, another review for you, and this is for the brand new Moon Knight TV show that's going to be on Disney Plus starting on March 30th. Let's take a look at that. I've seen the first four episodes of Moon Knight, and what I can tell you is that this is a very unique Marvel show. It doesn't feel like any other show because we've got a character, Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, both played by the phenomenal Oscar Isaac. Um, and there are two completely separate identities. He's got a, a dissociative identity disorder. This is a character with a mental illness. And so he's constantly having conversations with himself and it's done expertly. It's done um, incredibly creepily as well, but also with a great deal of sensitivity. And it is just so riveting to watch. And the, the show starts with one of the strongest pilots well, in Marvel history so far, in terms of their television output, uh, but in general that I've seen, it's just shocking some of the stuff that's going on because Stephen Grant, who is this museum gift store employee with a, a profound knowledge of Egyptian history, keeps waking up in these weird situations with blood all over his face and, and uh, um, a gun in his hand, and he doesn't know what's going on. And of course, what's happening is that when he blacks out and is unconscious, uh, Spectre takes over, and Spectre is this kind of mercenary, this American mercenary. And that's the other thing. Stephen Grant is a British guy, and Mark Spectre is a... Uh, an American soldier. And so the disconnect and the, and the disparity between these two performances is astounding. But it's really a, a, a mind trip when you're watching the show because Oscar Isaac is flipping between these identities and there's realities. But it starts off with the, uh, the onion being peeled back just a little bit from Stephen Grant's perspective. And it's terrifying. I mean, you're in his head and you're thinking, holy crap, what, what would it be like to not know what is happening every time you go to sleep? That's why he chains himself to his bed and he keeps waking up with these weird nightmares and visions and things. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely over the course of the first four episodes, there's um, like true mental breakdown moments, you know, where the fantasy 
world around him and this supernatural world that's careening around him as a part of the Moon Knight lore interjects into his reality and he cannot contend with it. You feel such empathy watching this character just break down because he just cannot compute. All of these weird things start happening to him. And of course, over the the, the course of the run of the show, and I've seen most of the episodes, um, little bits and pieces of information start sort of clicking into place. And, and uh, um, there's a little bit of, you know, um, figuring out how to deal and contend with uh, the challenges that these characters are faced with. And I'm trying not to spoil too much. What I will say is that Ethan Hawke is a tremendous villain as Arthur Harrow in a great deal because he's such a uh, um, quiet, powerful individual. He's not a forceful, he's not like trying to be more manic than our lead and than our superhero because our superhero has these mental illness issues. And so Arthur Harrow looks kind of sane and measured and, uh, and educated and has a, a sort of a place of knowing what Oscar Isaac's characters are going through, you're like, why wouldn't he just listen to this guy? You know, you kind of side with the villain's viewpoint a little bit. Uh, but there is this whole other meta uh, plot that's happening about the Egyptian mythology tied into the storytelling. And um, that's where Moon Knight gets all of his powers through these Egyptian gods and stuff. And it's really, really freaking cool and it also stands completely separate from all of the other mcu stuff that's out there um and the effects and the and the combat sequences are really damn good um you know every actor and every character is solid in this i love the moon knight costume too that's one of the things that i really responded to because i didn't read too much of the moon knight stuff when i was younger i've only read a few of the books over the years it's a very cool character you know obviously crafted with a, um, as sort of an answer to DC Comics Batman character. He's he's sort of this, you know, works at night vigilante. Uh, But because he's so unique psychologically, uh, it's just a thrilling thing to watch. So I haven't watched the entire season, but I, and I was left on such a crazy cliffhanger in that fourth episode. It's like, I, I was, I went to watch the next one and it wasn't there because Disney was still, and Marvel are still putting all of the episodes together when they let critics watch the, the first four episodes. Thank you, Disney. Uh, but I was like, no, I want to see how this ends. This is crazy. So uh, now they're going to dole them out every week starting on March 30th. And I'll be watching right alongside you guys. I'll, I, I actually, two of the episodes that I watched didn't have all of the finished elements in it but they were still amazing i mean this is this is really uh, next level marvel stuff um and it's tipping to that supernatural kind of uh space that we're going to see in the mcu where blade is going to show up and werewolf by night and you know, probably Ghost Rider and some of the other characters. Uh, this is sort of leaning in that direction and giving us a taste of the future there. Uh, Moon Knight is very special, you guys. That's that's what I can absolutely say. I haven't seen everything, but what I've seen so far, I freaking love it. Nine out of 10 so far, and I'm, I'm along for this ride big time. <laughs>